0: Hi, this is Areej Noor, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Rap, a weekly radio show weaving conversations about culture, politics, literature, art, and music into a weekly mix. Broadcast live on Triple R from Kulin Nation's land in Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Shalina Musk is an Aboriginal lawyer descended from the Larrake people of Darwin. For over a decade, she worked with Aboriginal Legal Services in WA and the top end of the Northern Territory and now works with the Human Rights Law Centre as the Legal Director. Shalina, thanks for joining me on the phone today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So in the midst of this global pandemic, there have been lots of measures that have been put forward in the last month or so that some have been quite dramatic and some have been quite drastic Um, and one of the measures that you at the Human Rights Law Centre amongst other groups have put forward is the um, release of people in prison. Can you tell me a little bit about the thought process behind that um, and how we, we might actually be able to do that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, from a human rights law perspective, uh, we have been following the experiences in other jurisdictions around the world, um, including Iran, the UK, Ireland, and the US, where governments um, largely encouraged by public health officials to take action to reduce the number of peoples in confined um, facilities, so prisons detention centres and immigration detention centres. Um, why they are doing that is because uh, these closed facilities, these closed environments, have become epicentres for mass spread and significant harm with the introduction of such a disease in, in those places. Um, we have uh, written to the Victorian government. We um, have been part of uh, coalitions calling for governments to take action to reduce the numbers of people behind bars out of concern that um, uh, an infection in such a closed facility will overburden not only the prison health system but the wider community health system. Mm.
0: And so, A, you know, you wrote to the Victorian government and you've proposed these measures, how would they come about? For instance, who would be released? Um, how will they be supported within the community? What are the kind of logistical elements of that?
1: Sure. So we're not asking for the government to open the gates and um, and push people out into the community. We're saying that the government should take a coordinated and considered approach to the careful release of people, particularly people who are more vulnerable Mm -hmm. to serious infection, harm or potentially death, should they contract um, COVID-19 in the prison setting. Um, There are a range of options that are available to governments, particularly in Victoria, Mm -hmm. um, to reduce the numbers in there by administrative leave, by um, leave permits, um, by fast-tracking parole for those who are sentenced and eligible for um, fast-tracking bail applications, um, including people who have safe, stable accommodation to go to. So there are a range of options, particularly where people are low-risk when it comes to um, harm to the community and where people have compromised health conditions. We're saying that these people um, should be prioritised mm. in trying to fast-track release in a coordinated and safe way.
0: Mm. I think I'm thinking about, um, just hearing you speak, I'm thinking about the amount of young people in Victorian state prisons who are are yet to be sentenced and are on remand. Like, they make up such a huge proportion of the prison population in in Parkville youth detention and thinking about the fact that, you know, they're yet to be sentenced and they're still in these non-socially distant, you know, conditions that everyone else has been forced by law to... Mm you know, remove themselves from, I think about the ones who are not even, are not even yet to be sentenced, let alone having, you know, time to reflect, you know, time to reflect on what it is that's happening, time to remove themselves from that situation, whatever. Um, There's quite a large proportion of people who, you know, might not, you know, might have nothing left on their sentence because they're not even sentenced yet.
1: Yeah, for sure. So there are quite a a significant number of children and young people who are on remand in detention centres across Australia, and I think even here it's around 50 to 60%. Um, These children have not been found guilty and are awaiting sentence in relation to their matters. So um, these children uh, should um, be fast-tracked for uh, release into the community, potentially on bail, um, with supports including uh, safe accommodation and services that may well address any risk needs.
0: Mm. And in terms of court cases at the moment, are, there, are they still running the same way that they have been in the past?
1: No. So, again, in line with COVID-19 restrictions, the courts have literally ground to a halt. Um, hearings and contested trials have been pushed back a number of months. Mm. Um Bail applications have been delayed because of access to um, courts and also lawyers trying to get instructions from their clients. Communications um, in and outside of prisons have been quite difficult due to these restrictions. So the, yeah, the administration of justice has um, literally been limping along as a result of these measures.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because so many other... Um parts of our society have managed to progress in some way and quite quickly and it seems that the justice system is really just like straggling behind and in fact people are just essentially forgotten.
1: Well, um, in all fairness, uh, the courts and the judiciary are doing a remarkable job with the restrictions that they have around them. Um, I think the difficulty is... is This has been a rapid change over a number of weeks and um, staff within these uh, agencies as well as the profession um, are all scrambling to uh, still achieve a semblance of justice Mm -hmm. in these really difficult times. So, um, yeah, there's been dramatic changes to the way that the courts are operating, a movement to um, online facilities, Mm -hmm. uh, to also in terms of the prison systems trying to increase access to phones and other um, telecommunication services like Skype and emails as a way of ensuring uh, not only lawyers can have access to their clients and vice versa, but also families um, and loved ones of people behind bars are still able to communicate with their with their family members and loved ones.
0: Mm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the police powers that have been um, put forth and the laws that have been put in place for those who are not observing the social distancing requirements. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about where the Human Rights Law Centre sits in terms of what these laws might become or the ways that they are possibly um, being heavy-handedly presented?
1: Sure. We we are very concerned about the dramatic increase in policing powers and um, an increase in the broad discretion that has been given to police officers across Australia. Um, what we're we also very concerned about is the inconsistent application and enforcement of these new laws. Um, in Victoria, there's been a dramatic increase in on-the-spot fines and infringement notices being given to people for breaching these public health directions, including the directions um, relating to um uh, socializing in groups and um, the need to be behind uh, in your in your home um, during office hours and people um, have been out exercising people have been out uh, driving their cars and some people um, have felt uh, wrongly done by um, when given an infringement notice and we just saw um, senior staff and the higher echelon of police uh, commenting about how this inconsistency um, and this heavy handedness uh, of policing efforts is potentially going to lead to an undermining of public confidence in the police force. Mm. So I I mean the danger is real Uh, with broad powers um, there is a danger of uh, excessive policing and potentially heavy handedness um, of police officers. And discriminatory policing, um, and so I think what we really want to see is um, greater transparency and accountability of policing in these times. Um, clear guidance being given to members of police around what these laws are, and what um, and what their discretion should be in, in certain situations. And there should be a wide public education campaign carried out by governments and other arms of our uh, executive around what people are required to do um, and why they're required to do it and what the consequences will be. Mm.
0: It's interesting when it's a time of crisis and, you know, things have to be decided on within hours when they would ordinarily possibly be decided on within, um, you know, weeks or months or days or whatever. Um, But it's also... Inter- and it's interesting how – what what laws and what changes do take place instantly. So I was talking to my neighbour recently about the um, new police powers and she was anxious to leave her house to go to the supermarket – um, and was anxious to leave her house to walk her dog and she was anxious to go drop off food at a family member's house who lived 20 minutes away. and you know just trying to explain to her that you know these are you can still go and do those things. but on the inside I was I felt like maybe I didn't know what I was talking about and that I was giving her the wrong advice. So in the end I just kind of le- left the conversation because I didn't want to tell her what was right and what was wrong because I didn't know whether she would actually get into trouble.
1: For sure, and that's understandable. I think there's so much confusion out there in the community, and I've got family in Queensland. I've got friends and family in the Northern Territory, and um, the directions that are coming out from our public health officials appear to be the same, but how they're being interpreted by police members in different states and territories, and what we're being polled by is the senior um, police uh, members as to whether or not they'll be enforced was um, quite different. I had heard um, that in the ACT in particular that police were um, proposing to take a more community policing mm-hmm. mo- uh, approach, warning people, um, cautioning people rather than finding uh, people outright. So um, there is concern that there is, uh, I guess, a inconsistent application of these laws and um, and different policing practices happening across Australia.
0: Yeah. And so for those of us who would like to make our voices heard and and make sure people know that, you know, we want there to be more consistent policing powers and less heavy-handed policing powers and that we want people to be released out of prisons, children and adults who are vulnerable um, to COVID-19, what can we do? What can we call for? Who can we contact? What happens?
1: Sure. So um, in in this case, I guess in, in Victoria, it would be writing to your um, Member of Parliament. Um, I think, crew, that there are a range of uh, groups out there who um, are all doing some advocacy behind the scenes um, uh, the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Services Natls are calling for um, a structured, targeted release of vulnerable Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in prisons and detention centres around Australia, and I understand that they're um, keen for support uh, for that call. Um, what I would say, though, in terms of policing efforts, I know there are so many police doing a really great job, but um, what we really want to see is um, an oversight body uh, empowered to. Monitor and review policing practices in this in this new era. Um, in this case, it could be IBAC, um, the independent um, cr- corruption body here in Victoria, um, and ombudsmen across Australia. But they take this on uh, as a new mandate to ensure that policing efforts are fair and just in these really difficult circumstances.
0: Mm. And as like a broader problem with with police accountability. Um, thinking about who the police are accountable to um, and the fact that in most cases in Australia they're accountable to themselves, even that just as a broader conversation beyond COVID-19 um, would be one that would be great to be sparked.
1: Yeah, um, and we, I was talking to a, um, a colleague who works in uh, Flemington Kensington Legal Service and the Fitzroy Legal Service as well and Um, There's a new uh, website that's been launched, um, which is from the Police Accountability uh, Project, which is around COVID-19 policing, and they're encouraging people who have had adverse experiences Mm -hmm. with police um, around stopping and questioning, around um, the actual giving of an infringement to uh, actually go online and to enter their story there. So, as another way of trying to share experiences and trying to spotlight on um, perhaps some heavy handed policing, um, yeah. or, or and as a way of drawing attention to this.
0: Yeah. Shalina, thank you so much for giving us all of this really important and insightful information and for joining me this morning.
1: No worries. Thank you for
0: having me. Shalina Musk is an Aboriginal lawyer descended from the Laraki people of Darwin. For over a decade, she worked with Aboriginal Legal Services in WA and the top end of the Northern Territory and now works with the Human Rights Law Centre as the legal director. I am very excited to introduce our guest who is waiting patiently on the phone. Um, it's Sims and Sims presents Africa Connections Oh, all the way in Sydney, all the way in New South Wales, far a bit <laughs> further away from us, on a station called Radio Skid Row, which is one of my first community radio loves. I absolutely love that community radio station. Sims, thanks for Hello. joining me.
2: <laughs> no worries. Um, how are you? How's your yeah. How's morning going?
0: My morning is okay. It has been really nice to be on air. This is the first time I've left my neighbourhood in about two weeks because the last time was Maybe. when yeah last time was when i was here and i didn't come in last week so i
2: yeah. was really happy
0: i couldn't sleep all night because i was so excited and then at about five o'clock in the morning i fell asleep for about okay. an hour yeah. so uh, that's how uh, I feel uh, <laughs> <laughs> how are but, you
2: i'm doing good uh, i had i like had bad sleep for like the two days before last night yeah so i had a good sleep last night so I, i'm feeling all right
0: <laughs> i love that excellent so you present um africa connections which is an incredibly historic show for our people in australia tell me a little bit about the history of africa connections what you knew about it before you started presenting
2: to be honest. i didn't know much about it when i started presenting um I like got involved with Radio Skid Row because like, I was in the youth collective, um, they were just training us to like broadcast. And then um, at around the same time, the old presenter, Lloyd, had um, just retired mm-hmm. or he just left the show and um, they needed someone and Hannah asked me to do it and I was like, yeah, they will do it. <laughs> um, and that's when I started learning about the history of the show and stuff and like how important it has been. Um, and I got to meet the original presenters as well, um, and it was just yeah, it was really good.
0: It's amazing. So, yeah. so African Connections is the longest-running African radio show in Australia. It's the first one as well. It started in the eighties as this amazing anti-apartheid program by these students, like mm. you know, students who came here who were in exile, um, and it's still going strong. And now you're presenting it. It's kind of been no, down.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and like still like trying to um come into like being able to present it well like do do it justice um and like yeah recently we got new presenters um we've got a team of like five now four or five that's amazing um yeah it's it's fun it's been fun now like recently um with like more yeah with more voices and people from Across the continent. Like we've got um yeah, we don't have anyone from the west from the west, but yeah, we've got people from everywhere. It's good um
0: It's so, amazing. Yeah. It's one of those things that when I started doing radio I was like what, 17 years old and was super obsessed with community radio and I was really anxious about the fact that there weren't that many of us out there doing this thing. And then um, I started doing some research when I was at university. I I wrote an honours thesis about Africans and community radio and I got to go to Sydney and chat with some of the original presenters of the show who started it in the 80s, and thinking about, you know, we have such a beautiful and long history of African community radio broadcasting in Australia, and that's such a gift.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, It's been, yeah, really good to be in this space as well, yeah. Um, It just feels... (laughs)
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah, and Skidrow is special. Skidrow is pretty special. It's one of those amazing community radio stations that really is out there doing the work.
2: Yeah, yeah, Um, and yes, it's just good to work with all the good people there as well. It's yeah, like I haven't really been to other stations, um, but just working with these people um, who are really like about community and mm. um all the stuff that he talk about and learning from them and you know like all the stuff that we that like uh want to like contribute to community and things like that. It's yeah. Just like, yeah, it's really
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. So how um, are you guys going with broadcasting? How is how is Skidro staying afloat? Are you doing pre records? Are you going into the studio? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So like Right now only a couple of people are going in and we're sending them our preview records and they, they put it on here.
0: So do you mix um, it at home? You record a mix at home?
2: Yeah, yeah. And a lot of what's been happening is um like what we're doing now. Like lots of phone calls and just recording that and like pasting that in the mix. Yeah. Um. Yeah, things like that.
0: That's awesome. I, it's so amazing to me how quickly community radio has adapted to this thing. Like everyone's just worked it out and, you know, yeah. we're so under-resourced in many ways yeah. and yet we're the ones who are like, yeah, no, no, it's good. We're going to stay on here forever. It's fine. Yeah. We'll just do my show at home or I'll just do this yeah, or yeah, do that. Yeah. It's, um, it's
2: amazing. And it's been, yeah, it, yeah, with lots of the other, the, like, the other um, ethnic broadcasts, um, they have adapted really quickly, like, um, they're getting information out to their communities and like, um, just like watching them work, is, it's really like inspirational. Yeah. And yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's something to like, what to, like something like how to, how to connect with our communities mm-hmm. while we can't mm-hmm. go anywhere.
0: Still, yeah, still um, connecting.
2: Yeah, and it just reminds me, of, like, yeah, WhatsApp's big now. It's like, um, it's not, it's not always been as like useful, or as, I've not used it as much as like I'm using it now. And it's like, um, at the same time, it's like me connecting to my family back home, cause like they all on WhatsApp at the same time. It, yeah, it's been
0: that's been nice. Yeah. It, it's really interesting this time period because i remember when I was first researching Africa connections and the um and the guys who started it i remember speaking to them and they were saying stuff like you know we started the show out because they were started the show because there was no information about um you know what was going on in south Africa yeah. f- and there was yeah. a few south africans here in Australia and they didn't really know what was happening back home and so we would get information from europe blah 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 and it feels like it's kinda of, we're kinda of going back to that point, right? Yeah. With the stations like Skid Row, where you just are communicating directly with your community in your language.
2: Yeah. Um that's been a really like good um thing to like learn about but, uh, but like yeah, with with us we like present in English. Yeah. Um the other language, um the other language community uh program, sorry. Yeah, they've been I think at the forefront, like mm. in this, yeah, because like, um, that's the only way, yeah, yeah, as you said, like, that's like one of, if you don't like, if the English isn't your first language, like, that's like a really important way that you get your information. Yeah. Um,
0: so you've made me a mix, which I'm very grateful for. So what has happened is that I put a call out on my very private Twitter and on my very private Instagram, and I never know whether it's ever going to get anywhere. But somehow I've received all of these mixes from all of these really amazing people. And amazing. so I'm very, very excited to play yours. Do you want to tell me a little bit about it before we get in? Was Is there a theme? Do you want to um, tell me about the music? Whatever you want to share.
2: The theme, I think... It was just a lot of the stuff that I was into at the time and also things that I thought the other presenters would be into, like, I was just like, I oh, want this person, like, <laughs> um, I also tried to, like, because it's only 11 songs, I tried to cover as much ground as possible as well, but also sound not too, um, jarring, uh, amazing, um, yeah, I'm just looking at the track of this now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like, I hope everyone enjoys it.
0: Yeah. It's, I love that we're doing this Africa Connections the Rap, like, collabo. I really wish yes. that it wasn't, yeah. like, in the middle of this wild pandemic. I feel like it would be so great to do this more in the future. Sure. We'll do yeah. some actual collab. Um, but yeah. this is a good place to start. So thank you so much for putting together your mix. Thank you for doing your thank awesome show. Thanks for coming on the show this morning. Of course. Call. Anytime. Sims, thank you for the mix. I'm going to start playing it now. And I hope okay. you're, whoever's out there is listening and enjoying this awesome mix by Sims of Africa Connections. And you can jump on the Skidrow website and find some information about this amazing show. Big, big, big thanks to Sims from Africa Connections, which is the – first and longest running african radio show in australia it is um it comes out of radio skidrow in sydney and it started in the 1980s by this group of young south african exiles who were anti apartheid activists and ended up in australia they started this show to give information to all the other south africans who were in Australia about what was going on back home. And it's now in the hands of a really fantastic group of people, one of whom is Sims. And that mix was so amazing. Thank you so much. And of course, a big, big, big thanks to Shalina Musk, who is from the Human Rights Law Centre. She was taking us through, I guess, what the new police powers mean for all of us and how we can deal with them and how we can report them but also considering how we can take those who are incarcerated out of the system right now because COVID-19 can spread very rapidly on the inside. A lot of people are on remand um, around the country, in Victoria More than 50% of the young people behind bars are on remand yet to be sentenced and the court has kind of slowed down at this point in time and therefore the Human Rights Law Centre, Shalina Musk and a lot of other people around the country are calling for early release um, and also releasing vulnerable people uh, out of the criminal justice system. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Triple R's The Wrap. A weekly radio show weaving conversations about culture, politics, literature, art, and music into a weekly mix. Broadcast live on Triple R from Cooler Nations Land in Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.